Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Verse 33. Now they were seated before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in astonishment. It's like Joseph and through his servants, okay, put him first at the head. He's the oldest, then him, then the next oldest. Put them all in, and the very last one will be baby Benjamin. He's the youngest. And the brothers are like, how could you know? There's 10 of us. You know, I look older than him. My beard is longer, you know, and how could you know our ages? Man, when you grow up with someone, when you have siblings, when you have a history, you know them. You know their personality, you know their name, you know their appearance, you know everything about them. And Joseph knows his family, and he puts them all in birth order, from the oldest to the youngest. 34. He took portions to them from his own table, the best. He shares his food, his royal delicacies with them. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. Benjamin is getting more. Man, you don't do that in my home. Why does she get more than me? Why does my brother get more than me? That's not fair. Right? We'd fight over the food. You been there? And the servant is piling heaps and five times more the portions that the other nine brothers got. But you don't hear a peep out of them. So they feasted and drank freely with him, with Benjamin. They're not fighting. They're not jealous. They're not arguing. They're not upset. I'm going to beat you up, Benjamin. That's, you better give me part of your steak. I think they've grown up. I think they've matured. I think they've accepted that Benjamin is the favorite. Boy, that maybe get your goat. How can they be more important than me? Can I tell you? Many families have favorites. I wish it wasn't so. Life is hard. You know, I wasn't the favorite. You get over it. You accept it. Do you see? They're growing up. They're letting go of the past. They're accepting baby Benjamin. And see, he's being displayed as the favorite with all the five times bigger portions. Maybe the nicer clothes, the fancy car, the special meals, the bigger presents. I can go back there if I need to, but I don't want to go back there. <laughs> you let it go, right? Benjamin is daddy's favorite, and he's being favored right here during the meal. Prepare for the stolen cup test. Test number two. They passed test number one. They treated Benjamin good, but now there's another test, a harder test. And it has to do with Joseph's 
beautiful, ornate, expensive, extravagant silver cup, royal cup, a cup of Egypt. Chapter 44, verse 1. Then he commanded his house steward, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. It's a rerun. It's a deja vu. It's, it's happening all over again. Remember, didn't this cause trouble before? They come home. Oh, Daddy, I couldn't believe it. We opened our sacks, and all the money was refunded to us. They're going to be so mad because we didn't pay. And it's happening all over again at Joseph's order. Joseph is running the show. Joseph is commanding, fill them as much blessing of food and give them all their money back. I don't want their money. Verse 2, put my cup, the silver cup in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. And that little one, Benjamin, my little baby brother, put my expensive royal cup, hide it in a sack. We're going to frame him. We're going to make it look like he stole from me. This is a powerful test. A cup. A cup. The Egyptians were into sorcery, the cultism, their gods, and their divinations and their spells, and they would use cups. Now, Joseph is surrounded by pagan gods. He is light in the darkness. He's salt on the earth. He is a Jew who believes in God in a very pagan lost world. This is his reality. And those trappings of Egypt surround him, and it's the reality of where he lives. Have you been there? Secular workplace, a pagan land. Welcome to Reno, Nevada. A cup. A cup. Wasn't there a dream about a cup? Joseph interpreted the dream for the chief cupbearer, He was in charge of the cup of Pharaoh and guarding the food and the drinks and the things presented to Pharaoh so that he would not be poisoned. He would test them, test the wine. But he was locked up. He had the dream. And in his dream, there were three like bunches of grapes. And he squeezed the grapes into the cup he was holding. And he made wine. And he presented the cup back into the hands of Pharaoh. It was Pharaoh's cup. It was his dream, a cup, and he was restored. And you know the story. Because of that dream, Joseph eventually becomes number two in Egypt through the dream of a cup, a cup that represents restoration, right? He was restored back to his position, lifted up right in Pharaoh's presence. He gets his jaw back, freed from prison, a cup. He's thinking about a cup. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prays, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to drink of the cup, the crucible, a cup that represents the crucifixion, the cross, the agony, the death, the bleeding, the separation from the Holy Trinity. 
Oh, Father, if there's another way, I don't want the cup. Take it away. But if there's no other way, your will be done. I will drink from the cup if I must die on the cross, right? And then, of course, communion. Oh, we know what the cup is. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This cup is my blood. Drink it, right? Remember me. And so the cup has great significance to Christians and throughout the scriptures, the cup, Joseph's cup. Verse 3, as soon as it was light, the men were sent away, they with their donkeys. Weren't some of the brothers worried, he's going to take my donkey. <laughs> he doesn't want your stinking donkey. He gives them all back their donkeys. He packs them up, move on, you spent the night, go back home. Let's continue to unfold the trap. Verse 4. They had just gone out of the city and were not far off when Joseph said to his house steward, Up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks? and which he indeed uses for divination, you have done wrong in doing this. You've stolen his expensive royal silver cup. It's used for rituals. It's used for dignitaries. It's used in a powerful, important drinking. And you've stolen his exquisite silver cup. You've paid him, he had you over out for dinner and gave you his best food and he treated you like royal and then you do this to him? This is insane. We've caught up with you and arrested you. You're going to get what you deserve. But it's a trap. And Joseph has planned it all so carefully to test his brothers, to see if they're ready, to see if they're real. Verse 6, so he overtook them and spoke these words to them. And they said to him, why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servant to do such a thing. Protect Benjamin from slavery. This is the test. They must pass this test. Because Benjamin is going to get framed. Do you see it coming? The plot is unfolding. And how will they treat Benjamin? This is the most important test of all. Verse 8, Behold, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from our Lord's house. No, this is all wrong. We came all the way back. We brought the money back that was given to us accidentally. And we would never steal from the Lord of Egypt, from the great governor. He's been so gracious. We wouldn't steal his cup. This is insanity. Verse 9. With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die. And we also will be my Lord's slaves. You ever say something extreme 
you exaggerate a hyperbole, you're making a point. If it's so, then kill us all. <laughs> you know, kill the one who sack it's in, and we'll all become your human slaves. No, don't say that. <laughs> but they're so confident. We don't have your stinking cup. So they're saying outrageous things, not knowing that it's been planted in Benjamin's sack. Verse 10. So he said, Let it also be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Let's not be extreme. Let's only punish the guilty. We'll go after only one brother, and the rest can be set free. Just like you had exaggerated, someone will pay. Verse 11. Then they hurried, each man lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. He searched, beginning with the oldest and ending up with the youngest. The suspense is building. They're doing it on purpose. See, I told you it's not in my bag. Search my next older brother. It's not in his bag. It's not in his bag. Going through ten bags... And they finally come to the last one, to little baby Benjamin's bag. And guess what happens? <laughs> and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. This is crazy. Benjamin, what have you done? You ever a little, maybe baby brother or little sister, and they grab something from the store and shoplifted, you know? I must confess, I was so little I didn't understand. And I love chocolate because my mom wouldn't give us chocolate. And I'm there in the candy store, and I figure if I open the package and I swallow it and it's in my stomach, who will know? <laughs> I got away with it. <laughs> Thirteen. Then they tore their clothes, and when each man loaded his donkey, they returned. To the city. They are rending their garments. They're ripping their robes to show how sad and how they're mourning for Benjamin. This is crazy. This is a reverse. Before I thought they were ripping uh, Joseph's coat of many colors right off his back and smearing it with animal blood. They wanted to destroy that coat of many colors. They hated it. But now they're ripping their own clothes for Benjamin. No, we can't lose daddy's favorite, Benjamin. What a reverse. Oh, sell, get rid of him, kill, kill Joseph, daddy's favorite. Uh, throw him in the pit, sell him as a slave, get rid of him. Rip up that coat of many colors. You know, we grow up, we mature. We change. We're not the same as what we were when we were little, right? Maybe you were unsupervised. You did crazy things. There's a God of grace and mercy and love. You can always send a note, a card, flowers, a gift. I'm so sorry. You know, I was thinking crazy. I didn't mean those words and those actions. I was just a kid. 
right, and we mature. Hopefully we mature and we become better instead of bitter, and we grow up and we don't repeat those follies and don't live that life anymore. Benjamin is framed, and he's destined for slavery before his brothers. Will they save him? Or will they let him become a human slave like they did to Joseph? Some were passive. Some covered their ears. Joseph was screaming and yelling, don't do this to me, please. He's begging for his life. Ah, I hate you, Joseph. Become a slave. But now Benjamin's tears have their heart. We got to save Benjamin, whatever it takes. This is horrible. We must save Benjamin at all you see, the test is revealing their hearts and their maturity and if they're ready to reunite with their brother Joseph. Does it make sense? What should we do with such a story? What is God telling us? We need a teacher. We need a tutor for our tests. We need to let Jesus tutor us, where he becomes our master and we become his students so we can learn, we can mature, we can succeed and pass the tests of life. You know, here's the bad news. If you don't pass your test, you got to take it over and over and over again. Have you experienced that? You know, I had, I don't know what it was, my license expired or something, and I had to take the written test for my, at DMV for my driver's license. And I, I'm like, I don't need to read that stupid booklet. I, I've been driving my whole life. So I take the test and, sorry, sir, you failed. What? <laughs> You don't get your driver's license. You didn't pass the test, so you don't get your driver's license. You can't drive. And I grabbed that stupid booklet, and I memorized it, and I passed the test, right? I think he said, you get three tries, and then you got to wait. No, I'm going to pass this test. I have to have my driver's license, right? If you don't pass the test, you have to take it again until you succeed. You must pass the test in order to move on to advance, to graduate. Oh, in high school, I hated algebra. I couldn't get it into my little noggin. It doesn't make sense. And I needed to pass that class to graduate. And I didn't know what to do, and I went to my teacher, and I said, please, will you help me? I have to graduate high school. Well, John, if you stay after school every day, I will tutor you. And I will, you sit in the front, and we'll do the algebra problems, and I will help you to pass the test. Finish this class, graduate from high school. And as he explained it, and we dialogued, and he showed the formulas, and see, it's so simple. And if you look at it at small parts, and, and it's very logical, and all of a sudden, like the light bulb went on, I get it, I see it, I understand it, it makes sense, but I needed a tutor. I needed a master. 
I needed someone to show me the answers to solve the problems. Make Jesus your teacher. Become his lifelong student. Follow the master every day. Learn from him through prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship with your fellow students. We call this the church. Sometimes in college, I'd have to join a study group. Sometimes we'd have projects, group projects to pass, and I thought, I'm never going to pass this stinking class, you know. So I'd find the brainiac kids, and they'd be in my group, and like, can I join your group? Because I don't know what I'm doing. And we'd all help each other, and they'd pull me up, and we'd complete the project and pass the class. Sometimes we need each other. You got to pass the tests of life. Some tests you really got to study for, prepare, practice the homework, figure out the problems. You got to put time into it. And we got the best teacher of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will lift you up. And he will teach you. He'll not only give you the answer, he'll become the answer. He'll show you that he is the answer. Jesus is still the answer to all of life's problems. And Jesus has the power to transform losers into winners, failures into achievers. Christ can change your F's into A's through his grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness. And he will teach you how to succeed, how to advance, how to forgive, how to get unstuck, how to move on to the next level. But you may be saying, but I don't, I'm not going to take any tests. Who needs tests? I hate tests. Well, what does it matter if I fail the test? If you pass the test, there's incredible rewards. There's wonderful gains that you achieve when you pass the test. For me, it was a driver's license. It was my high school diploma. When I passed the test, I got my dream job. I got the promotion. I got the raises. I raised to another grade level and made more money. When I took the test at work, I hated those tests but I love the paychecks. <laughs> you pass the test in that relationship, and guess what? Now you get married, because you hung in there. You pass the test, now you can be reconciled to your family. See, this is what Joseph wants. You pass the test, now you can live clean and sober and addiction-free. You have passed the test. Now you can be restored in your relationship with Christ. You've passed the test, and now you will gain eternal heavenly rewards. Past the test. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, be our teacher, our tutor 
our master. We want to succeed and win and have success in life, in family, friends, relationships, work, home, church, everything. We need your help. We seem to fail the test without you. Holy Spirit, teach us, remind us, give us the right spirit and attitude and heart so that we will overcome and win over these tests. We want to be the best you have for us. Make us better and not bitter. Help us to overcome the tests of the past. Help us to advance, to excel, and to become more like you, Lord Jesus Christ. You're our goal. And we cannot wait to receive our heavenly rewards and riches and glory and compliments from you that we are a good servant, and you reward us accordingly. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno, at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.